Happy episode 240, everyone. Welcome to the Business with Purpose podcast. I am your host, Molly Stillman of Still Being Molly. And this show is all about bringing you the stories behind the brands, companies, and small businesses that are changing the world. And normally, as you know, each week I interview an entrepreneur, CEO, nonprofit director, community leader, or an incredible person who is trying to make a positive impact, not only through their personal life, but also with their career. And, and sometimes you do the complete opposite. And that. sometimes, <laughs> hey, hey now. Um, but it's episode 240, which means it is time for a solo episode. And as you just briefly heard, my special guest this week is my husband, John. Say hello, John. Hello, John. <laughs> um, but before we get into episode 240, which we just had St. Patrick's Day and I am Irish as I just, well, I already knew I was Irish, but then I did Ancestry.com DNA and uh, I am really Irish, like really fully Irish. Yep. Not much else happening in that DNA. Nope. Nope. Basically all from Ireland. So I can make the joke about his two party. And it, it is very apropos that you're here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but before we get into the episode, we want to thank our partner of the show, and that is Mama Suds. I have been a longtime fan of Mama Suds, and the head mama at Mama Suds, Michelle Smith, founded this company to make taking care of your home and cleaning it with safe, natural, non-synthetic ingredients easier. And one of my favorite products that Mama Suds has is her Castile soap, which you can use for cleaning literally everything from the windows to the walls, to your counters, to your bathrooms, to even your carpets. It is truly an all purpose tool to have in your cleaning arsenal. You can go to mamasuds.com and use the coupon code Molly for 15% off any of her products. I mean, I use her all purpose cleaning spray, her Castile soap. I've used her laundry soap. I love, love, love her products. So go to mamasuds.com and use the coupon code Molly for 15% off. Okay. So after I did episode 230, which was one of the most popular episodes I have ever done. And that was where I told the story of us buying a farm. And I know it's a little bit off topic from business with purpose, but maybe actually not so much. And after that episode came out, I got an influx of questions from so many of you wanting to know a little bit more. And since I am actually, this is very exciting because here we are, John and I are on the farm right now. This is the first podcast you've done from this property, right? I mean, yes. And it's it feels really cool to have just walked up to the barn recording studio and I'm sitting here with you on our farm. We officially moved in uh, last week and it just, it, it still honestly feels really surreal. And so I thought it would just be the perfect timing to do a little bit more of a deep dive into why we bought this property, why this has been something that we have wanted to do. And another thing too, is I just wanted an excuse to bring my husband on the show because he is my most popular guest. Well, that's not, uh, the metrics would not necessarily bear that out, right? (laughs) Well, I'd say the anecdotal evidence. Anecdotal, yes. As long as it's in the top 10 in terms of actual numbers, I guess I'll take that. Well, when I asked on Instagram what other solo podcast episode topics people wanted me to cover, I had a lot of people say, uh, please bring your husband back on. I love when your husband comes on. And also for shout out to a 
MMA who likes to listen to uh, episodes with us as like her nightly comfort. <laughs> She's going to be really embarrassed that I just said that. Yep. Um, okay. So without further ado, let's dive into a couple of deep dive questions. So the number one question that I got was, did you always want a farm? So I'm actually going to let you answer this first. Did I always want a farm? Well, I always wanted land. Um, I mean, I grew up on about five acres and it always actually did frustrate me as a kid that we couldn't have chickens Yeah. Um, because of the HOA in the neighborhood. In fact, there was this Vietnamese fellow on the other side of the neighborhood who had moved in and put up a chicken coop because it's like what Vietnamese people did. And, um, you know, there was this whole like knockdown drag out fight at one of the HOA board meetings about who was going to be the guy to go tell him that he can't have a chicken coop. Um, and so, you know, eventually the chairman of the HOA board at that time had to go over and tell this poor Vietnamese fellow, you got to tear your chicken coop down. And it was like, what, what, what are we doing guys? Um, so it always annoyed me that yes, we had land, but couldn't have any animals on it. Um, and I would say probably since <sighs> middle of high school, uh, this, what we now have is kind of what I've been aiming toward for the last, I don't know, 20 years. Um, not necessarily a real specific vision, but I just knew I wanted something like this, uh, which is why, you know, I've been pretty tight with money most of my life. <laughs> um, you might say, in fact, there's the, uh, the legendary story of, uh, when I was in high school and my, my dad, um, we were at a football game and this is my senior year. And so almost all the other seniors at the football game were wearing this like class of 2002 t-shirt. And uh, dad was like, do you have one of those t-shirts? Nah, it was like $10. I didn't want to spend $10 on that t-shirt. <laughs> and he's like, here's $10. Go get yourself one of the t-shirts tomorrow. So I took his $10. I went and I stood in line outside the cafeteria at school and I was going to get a t-shirt. And while I was in line, I was like, I just, I can't do it. I can't part with $10 for this t-shirt. It's just not worth it. So I went home, gave my dad his $10 back. And he's just like, what? Who are you? <laughs> Um, that is a great illustration <laughs> of the way you handle money. And so that story actually has a point because that's the complete opposite of how we've behaved here the last, you know, six months as we've gone through this process of getting this property and fixing up the house and all the things we, we've done. But because this has been my vision for so long, I haven't really been, I've been less hesitant to empty the bucket, so to speak, on this particular project. Yeah. Because it's like all that tightness for all those years was kind of pointing toward this. Yeah. No, I think that's a great, great example. I mean, I remember there was a conversation that we'd had about money early on in our marriage. And I remember you saying like, I just don't, I can't imagine spending money on, and I don't even remember what it was, but it was just like, whether it was clothes or whether it was, uh, you know, guys trips or whatever it is like you're just like I, I can't imagine spending money on that like the thing I want to spend money on is my future house like I just remember that very vividly and that is what I want to invest in and thinking more long term so that that sounds about right there's a I mean I won't go too far off into the financial side of things here but it drives me crazy like with some of my clients where I see they have a $200,000 house and a $50,000 car. Like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> your car is worth 25% of your home value? Yeah. 
that is a messed up ratio. Like my house is what I actually did the math. My house is worth like 75 times my car value. <laughs> and it's not because it's a million dollar house. It's because I have a 2007 Tundra that I bought 11 years ago with 75,000 miles on it when I got it. And yeah. guess what? It's fine. It, you know, I mean, the real estate is going to go up in value. Why would I spend so much on a car that's only going to go down in value? And I think people get their priorities way off on that. Yeah. I need to... That reminds me that I need to have you on just to do a whole episode on finance. Because for those that are listening and don't know, my husband is a financial advisor. So that's what he is referring to when he talks about his clients and planning for retirement. And I sometimes hear you kind of air your grievances against clients who just have their financial priorities completely out of whack. But I think that's a good, uh, good example. At what point did it transition from you wanted land to, okay, I think I want a farm? I don't know exactly when that happened, but certainly the last 12 months have exacerbated that desire. Yeah. Um, last March or April when I had, you know, when coronavirus was a new thing, I had friends that were, you know, that had farms and like they just, they homeschool, they grow and raise a lot of their own food. And they were just kind of like, yeah, what, what's going on? What's the deal with this thing? Like they don't watch the news. They don't care. It doesn't affect them. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I need to evolve more toward that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, I kind of shared this story on the previous solo episode just about how we'd always had this vision for land and space and how early on in our relationship, even when we were dating, it was more along the lines of buying land and building. But I think just this idea of being more sustainable, more self-sufficient has always been in the conversation. And for sure, the last year really exacerbated it. And I think accelerated our plans a little bit more than maybe they would have. Although we had been looking way prior to COVID era. <laughs> yep. For sure. No, I think it was just, if anything, it, it just frustrated me a lot um, when everything was happening last year because I was like, oh man, if I was just like a year ahead of schedule on this project, like I would already be in the place where all of this would be irrelevant to me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So with that being said, obviously on a farm, there are some pretty important elements and that would be animals and the things you grow. So a lot of people want to know, what animals do we plan to get? Well, so what's the Mike Tyson quote? Everybody has a plan till you get hit in the mouth. Um, <laughs> so we'll see how the plan evolves once we actually start getting things. But uh, for now, I mean, we'll start with chickens, right? As we record this, you're going today to pick up some chicks, if get, you will. Gonna pick up some chicks. Yeah. I, uh, there's very few times in my life I get to use that phrase. So. Yeah, well, hopefully this is the only time. Um, <laughs> and so we'll start with that. And then uh, maybe maybe turkeys later this year. Yeah. We um, have kind of a goal to be able to uh, have our Thanksgiving turkey be a turkey that we raised. I will get bees going this year if you mm, count yeah. bees as animals. Next year, goats, maybe a pig. Yeah. We'll see. I have only slight interest in a cow. It's um, a lot of work. A lot of work. It takes up a lot of space, but maybe. Um, horses, I know you're interested in. Yes. I can't eat a horse, so I'm not <laughs> interested. Uh, but it just sounds like a money pit to me. Yeah. No, I, I get that. And I, that's a, that's a thing I'm going to slowly but surely mm -hmm. whittle you down on. As you often do. <laughs> um, donkeys. We, we have talked about having a donkey. Yep. Because donkeys are awesome. Also, okay. 
this is airing after Easter, but this is very timely. So during all of this planning and and moving and we have I've read a I don't even know how many books on homesteading. I follow a ton of different homesteaders just to learn more, learn as much as I can really. And learned something very interesting about donkeys because a friend of mine has a few donkeys on her homestead. Donkeys are great guardians for your livestock because they will kick a coyote in the teeth real hard. Well, they have the kind of donkeys, like same type of donkey that Jesus rode on the back of. Have you ever seen the back, like the top of a donkey like that? Can't say I have. There is a cross on the back of those donkeys. Hmm. Like they're gray with a black cross, straight, like a black line straight down their back and a black line across their shoulders. And it forms into a cross. There you go. How do they know that's the kind that uh, Jesus rode into town on? I don't know. People just know these things. I also have a client who has uh, quail that he's raising on his homestead. He says that uh, it's the same like breed of quail that the Israelites would have eaten in the yeah. desert, which it's like, okay, how, how do they actually yeah. know that? But it's more like legend and oral tradition. Yeah. So it could be a legend and oral tradition thing, but that's just what I've been told that these were the kind of, it's the breed, same breed of donkeys that are raised in that area of Jerusalem. And, and uh, so anyway, I just thought it was really interesting. So just Google the, like a picture of the back of donkeys and it has a cross on it. Anyway, thought that was really interesting transition into what do we want to grow? Well, so the last few years, we've had basically three pretty good-sized garden beds. We had two blueberry bushes, a couple blackberry bushes, and three fruit trees, two apples and one peach. The fruit trees never did anything for us because we couldn't get the insecticide figured out. Um, So that was always a challenge. The blueberries did all right once I got nets over them and the birds didn't eat everything. Blackberries, very prolific. Um, In the garden, we had... Okra, tomatoes, uh, jalapenos, banana peppers, those all did pretty well. Watermelons did okay. Cantaloupes, all right. Cucumber did okay. Spaghetti squash. The thing that killed us, so we had three garden beds and two years in a row, because we just throw old compost out there, I guess a couple of spaghetti squash seeds are really uh, hardy. Yes. And... um, so two years in a row, one of my three garden beds was completely overtaken <laughs> by a volunteer spaghetti squash, yeah. which then got some kind of vine rot. And we didn't actually get spaghetti squashes out of it. Well, we did so, one year. We had like probably eight or nine before it got vine rot. Yeah. And then nothing at all this past year. So I lost a third of my <laughs> garden space to this uh, spaghetti squash yeah. that did nothing. So looking forward to that not being an issue this year. So we've got roughly two and a half times as much garden bed space that I've built so far. And obviously we'll expand that in future years, uh, but we'll go pretty heavily on like, you know, corn, okra, tomatoes, cantaloupe, cucumbers. Um, It'll be nice to be able to plant watermelons around other spots on the property that aren't taking up garden bed space like they were before um, because they need to be spaced out and get their own water and they'll overtake everything pretty easily. So, you know, a lot of those staple kind of things. I mean, last year we grew enough banana peppers to... Feed an feed entire the country. Chinese army. 
Um, so I don't know if they eat banana peppers in China, but if their army needed banana peppers, we could have fed the Chinese yeah, army. We could feed, we could have fed the, like half the world with yeah. the amount of banana peppers. I canned them. We cut them up and froze them. We just had so many banana peppers. So we will grow a limited number of those this year as we already have plenty frozen. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that's the plan for now. Nothing too exotic. Yeah. And, and I did plant fruit trees. So I've got uh, five apples, three peaches, three or four cherries, a couple grapevines. And we're really thankful that the property already had some really established blueberry bushes. So we'll be excited to kind of see what the yield is on that this year. We transplanted some blackberries and the we also have a ton of walnut trees. And by a ton, I mean, we have like five, but they're huge and produce a lot of walnuts. So if you have walnut recipes, send them our way because uh, we will make all of the things with walnuts. I also really want a pumpkin patch, but I haven't figured out where it's going to go because how awesome would that be to have our own pumpkin patch? Uh, pumpkins are good for goats too. So once we have goats, the pumpkins will be good for yes. like deworming the goats. Yes, exactly. Okay, so a very common question I have gotten is, will farming be your new job? <laughs> well, I would say that would not be a very good economic choice yeah, at this yeah. stage of my life. <laughs> um, so part of the goal here is to reduce our expenses. Yeah. That's really the main goal. Uh, reduce expenses and, you know, create some independence and autonomy and self-sustainability. Yeah. But, you know, I don't have great revenue plans for what we'll do with farming, though, you know, it would be nice if we have some neighbors or friends who are on sort of a subscription program and they pay us a little bit and they get a certain amount of meat or eggs or whatever. But no, at this point, I yeah. would not say it would be good to uh, walk away from the current business to, yeah. uh, to farm. Having said that, I am trying to do some things business-wise to uh, make the business a little more able to run without my constant day-to-day -day supervision and oversight um, so that I do have more time to do things on the farm. Yeah. Uh, but that's not really a, an income replacement so much as I'm just trying to make it more automated. Yeah. And I think to, you know, kind of to your point about being a little bit more self-sufficient and reducing our expenses and also using it as an opportunity. Yes, we want to have some revenue associated with the farm for, um, because there's actually a really great tax benefit if we can work towards that. It's not going to be easy to get to that point. Uh, there's actually a lot of work involved in order to get like an agricultural farming tax credit, but you have to show some revenue. So that is a goal that we are hoping to work towards. But another thing I think is we just want to be able to bless people with it. You know, I think it would be really cool if we can take some of the meat and the vegetables that we grow and, you know, be able to donate it to ministries that we care about or just people who, you know, who could use a, a food blessing. Mm -hmm. So, okay. Uh, do we have a name for the farm yet? We don't. We don't. We Open have, to suggestions. Yeah. So send your suggestions to hello at stillbeingmolly.com as we... Wait, that's actually an email address that you have? It is. Hello at stillbeingmolly.com. Yeah. All right. I love that you didn't know that. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so hello at stillbeingmolly.com. I, I thought you were joking at first. Like, we don't want to hear your suggestions. So I'm going to give you this email that doesn't exist no, and you can exist. send them there. It does <laughs> exist. Um, yes, it does exist. So uh, we, we have tossed around some, but none of them have been like, ah, yes, that's it. So we're looking. We're throwing them out. They're not, Or we need you to throw them out. We'll catch them. We'll catch them. <laughs> 
Yes. Um, okay. What is your vision for the farm? We've kind of touched on this. I've touched on this in previous episodes. I'm kind of interested to hear you share your perspective on your vision for the farm. I think you've covered it pretty well for the most part. I mean, I, to me, like doing physical work is like, that's the work I enjoy. Yeah. Um, I don't enjoy the quote unquote day job of looking at a computer all day Yeah. Um, or being on the phone or whatever. Um, so for me, it's like a break to be able to get out and do the physical stuff. So I like having that always available. Yeah. Um, and I want to, raise the kids to have that same kind of mentality too. Um, but the overall goal is just one, yes, raising them to have an appreciation and understanding of the outdoors and how all that kind of stuff works, the self-sustainability, the independence, the, um, like I said, reduction of expenses. And, uh, as you said, the ability to be more generous to people. Yeah. Yeah, the generosity factor is is really big for us and something that we just are really prayerful about and wanting God to just use this place to bless others however he sees fit. Um, we've had a couple friends who have come out to see it and unprompted, they have said something along the lines of like, this is a place I just feel like people want to come to just kind of breathe out or... Um, just kind of relax and be still. And so that has been um, really encouraging because that is definitely something that we have talked about and, and prayed about. So, okay, this is the last question. And this question is actually not farming related, okay. but um, I thought it would be a fun one to end on. Uh, what is your funniest moment in fatherhood? What is your funniest moment in motherhood? My funniest moment in motherhood. Funniest. Yeah, I haven't had very many funny motherhood moments <laughs> myself. All right, so... Can we add the caveat that it doesn't have to have been funny at the time? Yes, absolutely. Because if it was miserable at the time, but funny in retrospect. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. So we were coming back from what I guess was the last Disney cruise we ever went on. We'll yep. see if they start sailing again or not. Yeah. Uh, so this would have been December, December of 18. 18. Wow. Was that long ago? So in the Orlando airport on our way home was just one of the most comically miserable <laughs> series of events that have ever happened. It started with, we got through, I guess we'd come through security and you realize, and I don't even remember what it was, something that you needed was in maybe our checked bag. Yes. And you had to go out get it and come back through security? Oh, no. Okay. Nope. I remember. So our flight to from Orlando to Durham was canceled because mm -hmm. it was snowing here in Durham. Right. And this was early December. It never snows in early December in Durham. But this one time it was snowing. And so we had already gone through security. We find out that our flight is canceled and a ton of stuff we needed was in our checked bag. But in order to get on a new flight, because there, it was just this, we weren't going to be able to get out for like two or three days. So then we're trying to figure out how we're going to get home because you had like important appointments the next day. It was a mess. And so we finally figure out that the only flight we can get on is a flight to Atlanta. So we're going to have to get on a flight to Atlanta and then rent a car from Atlanta and drive home to Durham. Now, Atlanta to Durham is like easily a six and six, a half. Yeah, six and a half. 
six and a half hour drive, not in the snow. Okay. So that remember it is snowing in North Carolina. So, and also by the time your flight in Atlanta is going to land in the middle of rush hour. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. It was like landing at five 30 in Atlanta rush hour. So, but in order for us to get on that flight, we had, I had to go out through security and then go get our checked bags and then recheck them. That's what it was. Onto yeah. the new flight. Like Southwest wouldn't transfer our bags from the one flight or whatever. So we wouldn't have been able to get our checked bags. So I have to leave. Go And again, this is Orlando. The Orlando security is a nightmare. Mm-hmm. A nightmare. Then, so while... I'm dealing with so this. So you, you go do that. I'm in the terminal with the kids and all of our carry-ons. Mm-hmm. So my carry-on, your carry-on, the kids two carry-ons. So I have like four suitcases that I'm yeah. trying to roll around, a couple of backpacks. Yeah. And a two and a half year old and a five year old, I yeah. guess. <laughs> and so, um, you know, we're eating at the little food court while you're going to do the check bag thing. And, you know, they're spilling drinks and they're dumping fries on the floor. <laughs> and um, Amos poops himself and we don't have a change of clothes for him in the carry on. Somehow yeah. his change of clothes didn't make it into the carry on. And so... <laughs> Lily has to go to the bathroom. I'm trying to clean up a drink. I was like, okay, in a minute, we're going to walk to the bathroom. She wasn't old enough at the time that I could just send her over there. I was like, so wait a minute. Let me clean this drink up. And then we'll walk together. You're going to walk in front of me. I'm going to come right behind you with Amos and the suitcases. And then you can go in the bathroom by yourself and then come out. Okay. (laughs) So somehow in translation, that got lost. And I'm cleaning up the drink. And next thing I know, I look around. Lily's nowhere. She's gone. And I look up just at the right time to see her disappear into the bathroom. I was like, okay, she's in there. And so I get the drinks cleaned up. We roll the army of suitcases over to the bathroom. Me and Amos are waiting outside. We wait and we wait and we wait and we wait for Lily to come out of the bathroom. And, you know, 15 minutes later, she's still in there. I was like, what is going on? Finally, she comes out crying. What's wrong, baby? Well, I couldn't reach the... So she has this thing where she do... she will not use a toilet that flushes automatically yeah. because she will not allow it to flush while she's sitting on it. So she has to have somebody in there to like hold their hand over the <laughs> sensor so it doesn't accidentally flush while she's on it. And so she didn't actually go while she was in there because there was nobody to hold their hand over the sensor. So I was like, okay, let's get in the family bathroom here. <laughs> so I roll all the suitcases with the two kids into the family bathroom. So I can hold my hand over the sensor while she pees in there and I'll try to get Amos's poop cleaned up. Well, so again, we don't have a change of clothes for him. I get his diaper changed, but there had been some spillage and it was all over his pants. So I'm rinsing his pants in the family bathroom trying to get the poop off. But then there's no way to dry the pants. The hand dryer in there isn't working. So I only have paper towels. And so I'm trying to clean, get the pants dry as best I can with the paper towels. And that's not doing it. And so then I go out and I'm like swinging the pants over my head, <laughs> PD Pablo, North Carolina, where you know, so swinging his pants over my head, like poop pants, like poop water flying over. I'm just walking through the terminal in the airport, swinging, swinging the pants, trying to air dry him. Um, and Amos is, by the way, walking around without pants on. In a, in a diaper. Um, and so you've at some point finally emerged from your 
what seemed like six and a half hour trip back through security and rechecking the luggage. You texted me at some point to say, uh, how are things going? And I, I just stole the Clark Griswold line. I think I said, uh, I'm standing here at the threshold of hell. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Cause I remember you, you texted me that. And like, meanwhile, again, I had to go, Oh, and I had to go back out through security again because when we had gone through security, we would always take our water bottles empty mm-hmm. and fill them up on the other side of security. Well, I'd had my water bottle in my backpack that I'd filled up. So I, when I'd gone back out through security and then gone back through, my bag got flagged. So then they wanted me to either throw away like my very expensive, uh, like, you know, the insulated water bottle or I had to go back out and then come back through security and I'm standing there sobbing and I'm like, you have no idea what we've been through. (laughs) The security guard did not care about my plight. And so then I had to go back out through security and come back through. It was truly a nightmare. And then after all that was said and done, we got our flight to Atlanta, landed, got in a car that we rented and drove back home and got home at like two in the morning. It was <laughs> truly miserable. Um, well, I'll tell But my- we would still love to go on a Disney cruise again if again. they will ever allow it. Again. Um, okay, and then I'll tell my quick. I love that our favorite stories both have to do with uh, feces. Um, so my funniest story in motherhood is Amos was not with us yet. Uh, Lily was probably about eight months old. And I was at Target. And I would always wear her in the Tula Tula carrier on my back. And I had, this was a particularly large trip to Target. I had a cart, I mean, brimming with groceries. I'd probably been shopping at Target for like two hours at this point. And the next thing I know, I'm in the back of the store with a cart full of groceries. And I feel something very warm streaming down my back. And I realized that Lily has pooped all over me. And I, I don't mean like a small, like if you're a mom, like you know what I'm referring to, just the epic blowout that is all over my back. It's all over her. And it is because she's in the Tula. It's just getting squished mm-hmm. in between the two of us. And I now have a decision to make. Because I don't have a change of clothes for myself, which from this day, from that day forward, I always carried one. (laughs) Um, And I realized that I didn't have a change of clothes for her because she had already had a blowout earlier that morning. So I had a decision to make. Do I abandon the cart full of groceries and leave? Or do I check out and then go home and deal with it? Well, any mother knows, like at this point, you're committed. You go. So with my cart full of groceries, smelling like child feces, I walk to the front of the store. I stand in the checkout line. I mean, people are staring. The cashier is like, ma'am, are you okay? And I'm like, I just need to get out of here as soon as humanly possible. So I check out. It takes what feels like nine years to get out. But then by the time I get out to the car, it is so bad. It is like coming up to my shoulders. It's going down my pants. Like it's so bad. So I load the groceries in the car, very gingerly get Lily off of my back. And in the Target parking lot, I basically have to completely strip. So I take my shirt off. Lily is completely naked. And so then I proceed to drive home from Target shirtless 
and uh, I'm trying to like wipe myself with baby wipes. It was truly horrific. Interestingly, I have a similar story uh, <laughs> that involves a cart full of groceries and me pooping myself in Food Lion. Um, but we'll save that for another episode. <laughs> I think we will. Um, this was in like 2008, not yeah. when I was a kid. Yeah, he wasn't a kid, guys. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, more to come on episode two. 250. John, thank you for joining me. I always like it when you come on. Always a pleasure. Hey, well, thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you to the incredible team at Third Wheel Media for producing my podcast. And thank you to our sponsor, Mama Suds. Don't forget to get all of your spring cleaning needs at mamasuds.com. Use the coupon code Molly for 15% off and we will see you guys next week.